Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee podcast. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. Oh, it's so good to be back recording and uh, we've got a fantastic episode lined up for you here. Um, a in-depth interview with actress, producer, aerial artist and all-round fantastic person, Eve Oliver. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax and enjoy. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by my very, very special guest on this episode. Actress, um, aerial performer, I suppose is one way to put it, (laughs) Um, and now a producer, and a whole host of other talents um, to her bow. Ladies and gentlemen, stamp your feet, clap your hands, jangle your jewellery, and welcome for a first appearance on The Undead Wookiee, Eve Oliver, ladies and gentlemen. How are we doing, Eve? Hello. Yeah, I'm really, really well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, and I still love the way everybody plays along as if we haven't been chatting before the show was started. <laughs> it's got to be done. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, hi, how are you? No, thank thank you so much for being on because as we were just chatting now you've been really busy this weekend oh Uh, my god yeah you crammed it in there and (laughs) you know before we get to the film stuff you know the most important part you've been to a five-year-old's birthday party you can't beat it can you it was amazing yeah now this is the thing right this is the this is the question what was the cake Right. So this cake, oh, it's incredible. It was homemade by um, by my little nephew's mum. Nice. Um, sister-in-law, kind of. I mean, my partner and I aren't married, but everything without the, do you know what I mean? <laughs> we've got a house, we've got a cat. What more do you want? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and um, it was a Lego cake. which <sighs> made this gorgeous chocolate cake. Um, and like it, the base of it was like a brownie base as well. Nice. It was unbelievable. And then, yeah, the icing she'd made. Um, all to look like little different Lego blocks because he's absolutely obsessed with Lego. That just sounds um, like he, the best. Oh, it, it was incredible. She did. Nice. She did well. <laughs> nice. And I mean, the one thing about children's birthday parties, they're not quite the same without the fully loaded E numbers in fizzy drinks oh, anymore. But, you know, it's mate. good to know that you can get a good hit from the cake. <laughs> it really was. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, this weekend... Um, I think it's, yeah, it still is. By the time this goes out, it would it yes. would just been. But uh, was horror on sea? Yes, 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 yes. And oh. uh, you had a you you had a bit of a project going on there. What was yeah. going on there? Tell us about that. Right. So um, we had on the Friday evening um, at the eight o'clock showing was it was Myco Entertainment's um, anthology film uh, called Horoscopes, and um, so we had been basically we'd been given this kind of um project to come up with something for each of the star signs and it all went out to different directors um, and they created a short sort of horror story um, about five to ten minutes um each on each of the star signs Um, and quite late in the day they needed one for libra and at that point i had just predominantly in the horror world been well I had just been working as an actress in the horror world um and 
Anna had said to me, Anna, who is Mike's wife, MJ Dixon's wife, um, well, you know, we've been talking about making something together. Let's, like, this is the time. Let's do it, kind of thing. So in about, I don't know, probably less than a month turnaround, we went from, right, we've been given the name Libra. What do we do? Let's cast it. Let's write it. Let's shoot it. I, I say let's. I did help, but I'm very, very aware as my first project, um, Anna physically and metaphorically held my hand in pretty much every single way. <laughs> I am forever grateful. Um, and yes, yeah, so we, we made our first ever short film as um, Real Horror, um, which is our brand new company that we set up um, pretty much at that time because that was that seemed the right time to do it. Um, and it's just, obviously, we want to get as high quality content out there as we can. Um, we want to be horrendously wonderful, but we, but we also were talking about how horror we've found, and I found, I mean, I've worked in um, in musical theater, in dance, in, in all sorts um, of sides of the industry, and sort of fallen very much into horror in the more recent years. Mm. And mm. I've personally found horror to be one of the more exclusive, um, inclusive, sorry, if not the most inclusive parts of the industry that I've worked in. Um, everyone that I've worked with has been really, really lovely. And it's just been a testament to me wanting to stay in this industry. And um, so we've decided that we're going to keep pushing with that and, um, you know, make our little company as, as small as it is at the minute our message is yes we want to create that high quality content but we want everyone to have almost the little journey that I've been really lucky to have in that everyone's included everyone's empowered um it's a safe space whoever you are cast crew whatever whatever you do you're you're safe you you know and um that was kind of our message and that's kind of been our almost New Year's resolution um, because it was so late in the year that we're going to work with as many people as we can and just spread the love. Um, and, and yeah, it showed Friday night alongside 11 other short films, um, which was incredible because you get to see such a range of, of different directors, different actors, different takes on, um, on all of the, you know, the, the different star signs. And it was just, it, it was electric in there. It was such a good, night it was just everyone was so supportive of everyone else's work and you're chatting to people that you've never met before like your old friends and it was just such a great night I hope our piece was well received I mean it's hard to tell you're in with 11 pieces playing back to back mm. but um, you know we've, we've already got I think um, Anna was talking to me today saying that Romford have um, accepted it and there's one in Islington. I can't remember the name, but I can't remember if she told me. But yeah, a number of festivals have also accepted um, our film. So I'm I'm so excited to get it out there, create more content, get more out there, and just share, literally, like I said, share the love. That's wonderful, and it, and it's such. It's I think you are right, absolutely about horror being inclusive. Mm. Um, I think, and and that's because the arts can be very very exclusive and excluding Um, and you talked about musical theatre and I've spent a long time um, in musical theatre and in the theatre and there are a number of barriers to people Mm. accessing that Um, and I think the one thing 
that horror does wonderfully. It doesn't give a shit who you are. Yeah. It does not care. And it, it you know, and it, you know, horror can go from being very, very cerebral, very, very, you know, it, at times beautiful, mm. terrifying, um, but equally to the downlight hilarious and just, yeah. just completely, you know, uh, foot to the floor entertaining. And, oh, absolutely! And I've I, I've always I've always been drawn to him. I've always been a massive horror nerd, and it's wonderful to hear that, particularly um, from yourself, and 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 sort of hearing that that such a positive experience, and that you mm. and Anna having that 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 moment. Um, and I know we've sort of we're going to jump around in terms of questions a little bit, but what mm, was it like yeah. um, stepping behind the camera um, yeah. instead of being in front of it? I know. Well, see, this is the weird thing. So for that short, I was also, so we had the, the two lead characters in it. I was one of them. Um, so it was a weird thing of, yeah, when I wasn't in front of the camera, it wasn't kind of like downtime, let me work out what I'm doing next and kind of process it all as, as I would have done. It mm. was like, right, other hat on, one hat on, one hat off and and um, and help with what, you know, the, the setups look like Um directing the other actresses in it and it was just I loved it I absolutely adored it I'd done um oh gosh uh, going back a little while now I used to do a lot of directing and choreography um for youth theatre so I've been mm -hmm. used to kind of leading particularly young people um and kind of that side of it but never on a film set before mm -hmm. and just as acting in a theatre and acting on a film set are two whole different worlds um, it was two whole different worlds again, um, sort of working behind the camera and it was just, it was, it was, it was scary. It was, it was scary because it's an unknown, yeah. Um, yeah. but I had the most wonderful people around me. I had Anna who, like I said, literally held my hand through the process. Um, I had MJ, her husband, who was our, um, he was our cinematographer and he worked on the lighting as well. Um, and he just was always offering um, amazing suggestions um, and was able to kind of come in and support. And, and we just, it was such a team effort. It was lovely. We had Murray, who was our um, our sound guy. And he's just, I mean, he is just so dependable, so solid. Um, it was just lovely to have that team behind the camera. Um, I worked with a beautiful actress, Sophie, um, Sophie Stroud is her um, actress name. Mm -hmm. And we were in Maskathorn together years ago. That's how we met. And we've kind of rekindled, got back together, joined that kind of the love for movies, horror, and the whole lot. And so it was lovely to be back on set with her. And, and it was such a collaborative piece that, yes, I was stepping into this new role, but I was so well supported. It was just lovely. And, and the other two actresses we had, um, Hannah and Laura were just stunning and full of energy and positivity and it was a, just the most wonderful start to hopefully something that will continue for years to come. I, well, I, I hope so and it'll be fantastic to see um, what you guys get to produce um, and I'm really, really looking, I'm really looking forward to seeing Horoscope when we get, when, when I get the opportunity I am, because I remember yeah. seeing lots of the behind the scenes stuff and I'm a big fan of MJ's, uh, MJ stuff and yeah. Um, you know, he's been on the show a couple of times and he's, in fact, we're going to be recording, um, 
an episode uh, in a few weeks' time. Um, oh. And um, I, I, one of the things I've always liked about MJ is his bold choices in terms mm-hmm. of his lighting. Um, oh yeah, and his you know, and his and his camera work and his cinematography is fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, so you, I mean, you've already mentioned about um, theatre and musical theatre and the, and dance and those kind of things. So, where did it all begin for you? When did you decide? You know, do you know what this is going to be? What uh, I want to do. So, I don't know if there was ever that kind of singular moment that singular deciding moment I mean I could go back as far as I mean my first real memory of wanting to do stuff was begging my parents to send me to ballet like literally begging them (laughs) to send me to ballet lessons and I started when I was about four or five so that's a real real early memory um, I just remember, for some reason, sitting on the stairs in our house, like at the bottom of the stairs. I mean, maybe we were putting shoes on, I don't know, going out there. And my mum telling me that I've been accepted uh, to start ballet classes, in, you know, in the next village. And, and I just remember being so excited, so overwhelmed that I was going to be going to these dance classes and I was going to learn how to be a ballerina. And um, it was just, it was that kind of love for it. I mean, then moving into my school years, um, Sort of year one year two so I was I don't know slightly older seven six seven eight um and there weren't really drama clubs in school but they, we did like a performance thing and I had like one line and it was all about like caring for each other um and I remember I had to say the word embracing um but as a small child not great at reading yet I said we need to embarrass each other um which was not quite what was said on the um, card, something about embracing each other, but I was corrected before show day came, so that was good. And just <laughs> loving that, loving like even just that one little line um, that for some reason stuck in my head and and being on stage and projecting. And, and it just carried on through my childhood. And I don't know that I particularly knew I wanted that as my career um, in real terms. You know, everyone says, oh, I want to be an actor, I want to be on the stage, I want to be this, that and the other. But in real serious terms, until I was sort of 16, 17, I'd got my A-levels, you know, and of course uni is creeping up on you and everyone's making your choices, what you're going to study. And um, and I ended up going to a full-time dance school and wow. um, did, yeah, did my three-year course in musical theatre and professional dance. Um, that's where I kind of had a bit of a turning point, if I'm completely honest um because what we were saying earlier about that kind of certain parts of the industry are quite exclusive mm-hmm. um I, do, I don't want to speak poorly of the dance world or the musical theater world because there are some absolute stunners in it and there are some genuine huge hearted people that are doing incredibly well and i'm so in awe of them um but it wore me down, in all honesty. Um, it was obviously very physically demanding, um, but you were constantly being told you were replaceable. You were constantly being told you'd put on too much weight. You weren't this, you weren't that. Get your leg higher, do that, you know, um, which uh, to an extent, yeah, of course, you've got to be the best in the room. Of course you have. That's the whole point of what we do. You, you're the best you can be. Um, but... I think even when I was at um, dance school to the 
more recent times now there's been a shift in the understanding of mental health and mm. and the toll that constant comparison that constant i mean in a dance school the rooms are mirrored every room you're in you're standing staring at your body in very tight clothing because you're doing ballet jazz whatever you're doing and you're constantly being told you need a dancer's body which is 90 to 110 pounds roughly which is for an adult <laughs> That's, not a lot. No, there's not a lot. And I've always been um, incredibly impressed, particularly um, by by the physical ability of dancers. Mm. Um, I mean, I to say that I have two left feet would be, you know, <laughs> you know, you know. There's no way. It's a it's a long running gag that I cannot dance, even fueled by you know twelve pints of Stella. There is. You know, <laughs> It's it, you know, but I have friends who are dancers and have been you know mm. like yourself, and the punishment that their body takes is incredible. Absolute. It yeah. is absolutely incredible, and you know, and even coming from like my background, which is you know, which is martial arts and boxing and those you know, and and mm. and, and the beating that people take is compared to if anybody has seen a dancer's feet at the end of their career. Oh, mate. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't look. <laughs> that is a horror in and of, in of itself. Um, you know, I think the only other people who have feet as bad as a dancer are basket professional basketball players, um, oh. because they 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 sh- their shoes are tight, so tight. Yeah. So tight, and it's the same thing. Uh, you yeah. Know, and if if somebody's on your feet, if somebody's on point the entire time, it is just uh, it's relentless. It is relentless, and you know. Um, People in the dance industry, in the dance world, and this, you know, I, I'm not trying to speak poorly of anybody, mm. but they are merciless in terms of their critique yeah. that they will give people. Um, and yeah, it, it, it is an incredibly challenging, you know, and I've always take my hats off to anybody um, who does it. Um, you know, it is it is unforgiving, and it's poor, mm. you know. I think you know people talk about actors and act and this and that, but I think obviously the dance world and musical theatre as well. Yes, yeah. musical theatre as well is very very un- unforgiving on his performers. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah, and there's not... there's nowhere to hide. Um, oh, no, no. It's it's not a case of turning up and doing it. You know, ninety percent because if you do ninety percent, even you're going to injure yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got yeah. A bit, you know, it's that kind of like, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I've I've since gone back to dance and hence, like you say, with like the aerial skills, the pole, Lyra, all of that. And I've it's reignited my love for everything I did before that. Mm. Um, and it's it's been such a joy to go back to. Um, I did take time out after I graduated. I did I did take a bit of time out because I thought, no, this is the last thing I want to do. Um, and I think that's another reason why I'm so grateful for the horror community, because particularly MJ and Anna, who I got my first sort of real big role with and mm-hmm. um, first sort of lead in a film, just welcomed me with open arms. And it was just such a contrast from the world I'd known. And it, I'm just so forever grateful for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I always remember I was due to be singing in the um, in the Purcell rooms in London. Nice. Um, and like an absolute clown, I went out the night before in Cardiff. Bearing in no. mind, I did, oh, and I ended up after having one or two sherbets. 
Um, I don't drink anymore because I, I soon realised that actually I can't. Um, oh, jeez. And I slipped and fell um, on a dance floor face first. Oh, oh, oh. oh. And I knocked myself out. Oh. And I came to being dragged up the stairs by the Oh, my gosh. So... And I had to get on a bus because um, <gasps> I was in I was I was in a production of Kismet, and we had to drive to London because it was it was going out. This session was this you know we were singing for we there was there was a, there was a number of us, and I was singing mm. I was I was I was singing um, the Vizier song from Kismet, which isn't in the film yeah. but it's in the show, um, and all I could remember was just like I was talking like this. I couldn't remember oh, my, gosh. but like several painkillers later and one or two yeah. of you, but I, you know, you do it and then you do. Yeah. You know, then I'm, you just worry about paying for it later. Yeah. And you do pay for it later. Yeah. You yeah. do pay for everything. Everything costs. Yeah. Um, and I think some, you know, people don't always recognize the sacrifices yeah. that, that artists no. make. And, and it's not just about not feeling up to giving a hundred percent. It's like you say, when you, you're physically being held back by your own body. I mean, I had a, a back injury for the, for the most part of my second year. And then in my third year, I managed to give myself, well, not give myself, I managed to have scarlet fever. So oh, I was off for a month. I don't have much recollection of that month. Um, and it's just like, so when you're stepping back into it as a third year, ready for an agent's showcase, and you've been pretty much bedbound a month, you, you just you're giving a hundred percent but your body isn't and it's yeah it's hard yeah. yeah i mean it's like it's like putting your foot down on the gas in a car and nothing and, no, and, and having nothing and I, and, so, and I think some it's like really really frustrating particularly when you it's not you re, you go you reach for it and it's not there yeah it's and not. you know your body you know it should be doing it it's just it's heartbreaking. Oh, it, yeah. it, it is, and I mean, I like I did. Um, I ended up I caught a virus, um, and I was playing Gaston in a production of Beauty and the Beast, oh, and God. I mean, it was it, it was an amateur production, um, mm. but you still want to, you know, no matter whether it's amateur, oh, or God. you want to give. Yeah. It, but my voice just wasn't there. Like it just it just wasn't there at all, um, and I, you know, and it's it, it's one of the things that kind of like really really kind of like stuck yeah that i couldn't get it done i mean um i mean i went back and did um uh, a production of oklahoma um oh nice um and the reason why i went back to do it was i, I played the same role at this age that i did about 25 years ago oh wow and who was, were you i was ali hakim Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I got to play and, and look at and it's great because you get to sort of obviously you're a bit older or yeah. a lot or a lot fucking older, um, <laughs> and you you get to sort of you, you get to sort of go back and have a new take on it and it was mm. really really nice to be able yeah, to be on stage and, and and not really be in a position where not that you don't give a shit but actually you're kind of free. Yeah. To do everything. Yeah. And, and, Your inhibitions and, yeah. are just. Yeah. And that was fab. That was that was wonderful. And I I am eternally grateful for getting the opportunity to go back and yeah. and do that again. And it was just so much fun, so yeah. much fun. 
Now, in terms of roles that you've played, you've already mentioned, because, um, like, you know, I was doing a little bit of research um, and, and looking back through your credits. You've got some, you've got some wonderful credits behind you. Um, and, of course, I first sort of saw your work in Mask of Thorn. Um, yeah. How did that come about? Um, I, 100% honesty here. Um, I'd kind of been stalking MJ and Anna for a while. Um, I just, I mean, I just fell in love with their style. And like you said earlier about how old MJ is with uh, his his lighting, his, you know, the colour schemes of the films he creates. Um, I just fell in love with the look of them. I saw the behind the scenes pictures of just what to me looked and felt like a kind of family working together. Mm. Um, it was just, it, it looked incredible. It looked something that would be amazing to be a part of. Um, and I emailed, you know, sent my CV, sent my show reel and, you know, applied for anything that came up and was watching all of their films and um, just kind of fell in love with them. And then had a, um, had a message from MJ saying, I've got a script that, you know, I'd, I'd like to send through to you, you know, you know, had all your details through and everything. Um, you know, I'll, I'll send it through in the next couple of days. So I thought, oh, cool. You know, this this is really exciting. Um, and it came through and it was a feature length film. Now, I was thinking, you know, for the first time you're thinking of putting me in a film, I would imagine it'd be a short film. I imagine it would be a smaller character until we kind of build up any kind of relationship if, you know, you, you'd want me to kind of still be part of um the Maiko world and no it was a feature length film and he wanted me to look at the main character and I was like oh my god it was just incredible um so it literally came about by me essentially hassling MJ um bless him until <laughs> until um yeah he sent me through this script I mean I loved it I read it I got it through um, I was at my my brother's who at the time lived in Essex and we were about an hour to two hours drive away depending and it came through while I was at my brother's house and um, I was like, oh, I can't, like, obviously, I, you know, I can't just sit and read it now. Um, and I remember getting home quite late and just, I couldn't, I couldn't go to bed. I was just scrolling and reading and I just, I fell in love with it. And yeah, when he kind of said, oh, you know, I want you to have a look at the part of Bethany. And I just, I think I, I was like polite enough to wait until the next morning and not message at stupid o'clock in the morning when I finished reading it. Um, <laughs> yeah I just messaged and I was like I couldn't put it down I loved it and I fell in love with Bethany and honestly the rest is history it was an absolute blast working with those guys and I think one of the things that you you get from MJ's films actually is is there is that real sense of family that tightness yeah. to the work and to the people around him and you know Thorn is really it is so entertaining um and he's and all of his work actually i've always you know and then like the slasher house films and yeah. what's it like being part of the michael universe because it, it blows my mind that he's able to sort <laughs> of like keep everything all together because he is very very talented oh man he's he's a genius and he he's got this timeline and he was starting to tell me about it when we were on set of all of his characters and exactly how they fit in um and and um, he was saying there was whether it I, now I can't remember completely whether it was on his website or whether it was on like the Myco wiki um, of just where everyone sits in you know in 
you know, the Slash House one and those films and then the two and all of those and then the third um, group as well. And it's just, he's just so intelligent. He's just incredible. And honestly, being on set with them was so much fun. I mean, it sounds such a cliche to say, oh, it was like a family. It was, it really, really was from, I did some costume tests with them, I don't know, month or so before we were due to start on set and you know the actual costume tests and photos took I don't know 40 minutes talked about hair and how we'd have it and makeup and all of that and and did all the proper bits and we just sat and chatted the rest of the afternoon and I don't particularly remember what we chatted about but it was just it was just so oh, I don't know the word for it but it just felt so right if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It was just, they were just so welcoming. It was, it was absolutely lovely. And we got onto set and I mean, I feel really lucky to a have had my first real big experience of a, you know, a continuous film where we were filming two or three weeks straight um, with those guys, because they were lovely. They were absolutely lovely. They were so encouraging throughout. Um, and we had a lovely cast, you know, all the um, school kids, Sophie, who, played my best friend we we just turned into best friends it was honestly um it was that chemistry that you hopefully see of our two characters on set um on the film sorry hopefully that kind of carries across because that's just what it was like we were just inseparable when we were on set it was so much fun um Lydia who played the school bully we had so much fun um it was just yeah, it was a really, really special time and it has such a big place in my heart um, those weeks when we were filming because it it just, everything fell into place at the right time. The right people, the right time. It was lovely. It was so much fun. And it's, you know, that's one of the things I think that comes across actually with um, particularly independent horror, indie mm. horror, is that it does take a team pulling mm. together to yeah. get it to get to get it over the line. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely, I, I mean, it was my first, like I say, my first real big part in a film and I was very much, I don't want to step on anyone's toes or anything like that. But as it went on and you realised, yeah, it was, it was a group of people who'd come together to make something really, really special and everyone was just picking up little bits here and there. I mean, we had Atticus who played Thorn in it, was making the street signs and doing bits and pieces like that and being a massive help behind the scenes as well as all you know all the acting work he did as Thorn and it was just so it was just a great group of people whose hearts were truly in the right place and who just wanted to make something as special as it could be and I, I hope that came across in the film oh it definitely does it you can definitely see and you can, and you can see it in all of his films actually is that yeah. attention to detail is you know is really really important and, and like you you know when you look follow him on social media and you look at all the different things that he he posts yeah. when he's you know particularly when he's making props and all those kind of things and mm. the game design and all it, yeah. it's all there out of every you know so far in terms of like roles that you've played mm. which has been your favorite characters <gasps> I'm glad you said characters. <laughs> I'm glad you said characters and not singular. Yes. Because <laughs> um, how do you choose? Um, so there's been different characters that have shaped me as a person for for various different reasons. Um, 
Mark, very much so. My first, very, very first um, acting job was, I have great memories from, just because it was that moment where you go, oh, I've made it. I've got, I've got my first, you know, acting gig. Yeah, um, yeah. Was... Uh, called Flytrap. It was a short film. It was a concept um, short film that, with the view for it to to be a feature length, um, and it was just. I mean, we we were absolutely frozen, but it was it was lovely because again, you've got all the people that were there for the right reasons. Everyone just wanted it to be as good as it could be. It was. Um, our, we were. It was kind of like um, a warehouse that they'd obviously then built the set in and um, there were four of us I believe four girls um, and the, the storyline essentially was that the four girls had been kidnapped um, and, and you have to work out from their point of view what's going on um, and we were kind of we'd all kind of got onto set together and we were all kind of sat um, on the sofa kind of chatting together and um, I remember the guy saying you you can go in and like you're not actually kidnapped you can like go and like check it out in there like and have a look at it and it was just just from the word go it was it was lovely. It was a great, another great environment, another really, really lovely place to be. So that, that for obvious reasons was one of my first loves because it just, it started me off on the right foot. Um, years, years down the line, I had a part in um, Trash Arts, um, one of Trash Arts film called Parasite Trauma. Mm. Um, and that is kind of another type of anthology film. Um, and I'm someone who anyone that knows me knows I like to know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. And, you know, um, very, very specific. And that was the first film where really I was given a script and we went through it all. But on set on the day, we kind of improvised a bit. And it had been years since I'd done sort of the theatre improvisation side of it. And I honestly fell out with my depth and I was really really honest and it was lovely I had Martin Payne as my director for that and it was so nice to be able to be honest with him and just say I'm a little bit out of my depth but I want to do the best I can for you and I don't I, I basically don't want to screw it up for you I don't want to be shit um and and he was lovely and and we had some really honest conversations um but that was a lovely turning point because everyone, I mean, um, the guy that I was acting with, Mark, uh, Mark Margerson, was really, really kind, really lovely. Um, and it was just a really, as another example of a really safe set where once we'd kind of broken into that idea of improvising, I mean, it wasn't hugely um, different from the script. Mm. We could just experiment and we could just be safe with experimenting as well, if that made sense, you Absolutely. know? Yeah. Um, yeah not pushing too far but pushing far enough that we're creating something a little bit magic here um so that has a, another really really special place in my heart because that got me back into that kind of just go with it that improvisational kind of side that I feel like I'd lost in my early days with filming because it was it's such a precise art you, your eyeline is exactly there because that camera's right there and um and it, it was a joy to kind of get back into that and I'm you know, I've, I've done various courses since to develop um, develop those skills and keep those skills alive because it's really, really important, um, really important to do. Um, more recently, so I obviously in my not early days, but because I'm quite short, <laughs> um, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit rent a victim, which I absolutely adore, and it's it's so much fun. But I've spent a lot of time running and screaming and crying and 
all that jazz. Yeah, um, I think um, speaking to, to Derek, Derek Nelson. Um, oh yeah. And I think you know, and I love Derek. Derek is just the just the nicest guy. Yeah. He, and he's and a superb actor. He is a oh, man, great yeah. actor, and he is like um, a Swiss Army tool on a set because he can he do, he can do so much. Yeah, I um, love that analogy. Yes, and, and I remember being on the set for Andrew Jones's last uh, film, um, mm. the Haunted Amalgam Castle, and that's where I met Derek. I'd, Andrew had invited me down because I'd, I'd become friends with Andrew, and he'd been on the podcast, and so I went down to the set and sort of, uh, you know, got chatting with Derek and what have you, watching him, mm. um, and you know, as the AD there, just. You know, he did not stop, and yeah. it's almost like he had sort of like he knew Boundless. what other people needed yeah. around him, um, yeah. and just you know. But I think I don't think I've known anybody else who has been killed as many times as, as many Derek. times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he I, is, I have seen his death reels; it's just fantastic. It, it is, yeah. and I think the best thing I remember him saying to me is about sort of learning to die on your stomach. Lying yep. face to die face down is the best way to go. <laughs> yeah, understand that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, when you talk about improvise, you know, improv and what have you. Mm. Um, I, I think people do not, you know, people don't get how um, difficult improvisation mm. can be, and oh, in yeah. terms of improvising on film compared to improvising in the theatre. Yes. Um, because it's a different world it is completely because you were not you know you, you, in the theater you have a massive stage yeah. you have a stage and you have yeah. a world that you you have a you can play in mm-hmm. whereas you have a mark yeah you have a sound guy yeah um you have a dp yeah and if you decide that you're just going to have um you're just going to just move around and do whatever you've you're going to irritate a lot of people very very yeah. quickly yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and that yeah. can be quite you know there is room in film for improvisation yeah but it takes a lot of skill it's got its place yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely it like you say I think that's and that's what I felt was my barrier personally because I'd never gone through that process prior to that film and like you say I was so aware that here's my top of frame here's you know and I can't really move outside of that. So I'm hyper aware of everything that I need to be doing and focusing on. How do I now think about, and you know, it just, it was a new skill to learn. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful to Martin, to Mark for really encouraging me in that. And yeah, allowing that to be something that I could kind of play with in a really safe environment. And like you say, without pissing off too many people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think, you know, um, I think there are. I think it's fair to say within film. I think in terms of the technical end of things, mm. um, it's quite easy to irritate a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I think you know, as a from a director's point of view, when things are going wrong, you do feel like you could just be sat there just burning twenty pound notes. Yes. As, as the time is. Time is literally just, money. Just, yeah. Just, just ticking away, or like, or you see the sun, just. <laughs> Move yeah. in. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I remember yeah. you know, when we were doing the short version of School Hall, um, mm. we were, ha- you know, it was, it was a massive learning curve for me. Yeah. Huge learning curve. And I remember just the most simplest, possibly the probably the most simple 
of scenes to shoot took so long to light took yeah. so long to light and you know having to say to act to you know to the you know to actors do not mm. move yeah don't move yeah. you know yeah. um and it is such a skill um yeah. one of the other things that so you know do you have do you particularly rely on um do you have a particular technique when you're acting do you you know do you rely on you know do you, do you have a process that you go through for your character or is it just you i'm going to learn my lines yeah. and see what comes comes up because i know some people say they get all method yeah um, yeah yeah um personally for me i have to have a little bit of a mix going on so yeah absolutely i learn my lines i, I have a my partner he's not an actor anymore but he trained as a, a method actor he trained at east 15 um and that's kind of how we met was um in the acting world and he's since stepped away from it um and he's i mean like i get <laughs> he knows this but i get so nervous around him with anything to do with my acting because i'm aware he is a beautiful actor um and i just kind of come in with like oh i have dance training and now i'm gonna act um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm hyper aware of that um but i mean he's been incredible we've we've been able to sit together and look at my scripts um, and not just line learn, but break them down, look at your objectives, you know, all the, the old school kind of, you know, properly breaking down, actioning, all of that, um, which is something that, yes, of course, I'm aware of and was aware of in, you know, my training because I did a part-time drama school through my teenage years before mm. I went to school. So was very aware of all of those techniques, um, but I think through the kind of dance training and moving away from that and then coming back into acting at, you know, not, not at an older age, but like, at, you know, not going straight out of drama school into it. Mm. Um, he's been amazing in helping me break them down. Like, like I said, looking at the actioning, looking at the objectives, your super objectives and all of that, which is a very technical way of looking at it. Um, I find personally it was really, really helpful and it has been really helpful. Um, but like he said and, and like I've learned is you have all of that. You have it all written down. I do all my research. I look at, you know, for example, we've got um, Dear Sister Margaret coming up. I've watched documentaries on nuns um, and how they live and, and all of this because I don't have a clue. Um, and so I do all of that side of it. Um but then you have to get on set and you have to be able to leave all of that at the door almost. Absolutely. All of that Absolutely. Because you've just got to go with the energy that your partner gives you. You, Because it would be ridiculous if you didn't. Um, so I come with my ideas. I come with all of the research I've done. But I'm so ready to leave it at the door and work with whatever they've got. And, and of course, I'll share my ideas. I'll share what I've learned. Um, but never with the expectation to override anyone. If someone says, "Oh yeah, I hear that," but this is how we're going to do it. That's mm. all good. That's fine. I'm I'm here to be paid to do. You know, I'll do as I'm told, kind of thing. Um, and I think there's so much to be said for. And I think this is sometimes an element that can be left out, particularly you know if you're working on your lower budgets. You can't just hire out a rehearsal space for three weeks and workshop your script. You know. You, People don't have the time, money, or any of that when you're working um, on on your budget indie horror. You've you've got to learn your lines, turn up, get ready to go. Um, and I totally understand that. That's that's the the nature of the beast. 
Um, but where we can, I would love to see more time on workshopping, even if it's just time before you get to the filming and you just film slightly less on that day. Um, because for me, that is like, that's where the magic is. That's so, where you click in. Do you in. enjoy rehearsals? Yeah. Yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. I, like, I like rehearsals. Yeah. I like rehearsals. Uh, I think for me, that's, that's where thing. the magic is. Yeah. I think that's a theatre thing that, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's the play. Yeah. That's where everybody gets to play and you get to know everybody. But obviously, like you said, there is no time. There yeah. is no, no time. Absolutely. And 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 that's the thing, it's being realistic. Um in a perfect world, yes, but you you work with what you your time, your money, whatever you've got at that time. And and it's just you can still make magic. Mm, absolutely. Abs- like you absolutely can. Um it's just a different way of working and I'm just, I'm here for all of it. I love it. And anything I'm doing where I'm learning, in my opinion, I'm winning, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, it is nice when it's, you've got somebody who does go away and does the legwork. Mm. Um, but equally, somebody who's not tied to it. Yes. Um, yeah. I think know. that's that's the really important contrast to have. Absolutely. Whatever you do that might not be what your director or your writer has seen when they're writing. And you've got to be totally prepared for that. Oh yeah. Completely. And I think sometimes yeah. somebody can have an idea um, of something and then, you know, they, somebody, and usually particularly on smaller budget, the person mm. who is directing is usually the person who's written. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, somebody may have this idea that they're going to play this character in this particular way. And then that, you know, that director, that writer will turn around and go, um, uh, Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And not being tied to that. Uh, yeah. From an acting point of view, do you prefer mm. as few takes as possible or as many as you need? It's a bit, for me, it's a double-edged sword. If I do a sort of a one-take thing and they go, yeah, that was good, we got it. I'm terrified because either in my <laughs> head, I've gone... Uh, well, in my head, I've never gone. I've smashed it. That isn't. That is not anything that ever comes into my head. Either in my head, I've gone. Okay, that was that was, you know, acceptable for these guys. Or in my head, I'm going. That was so terrible that they've just gone. There's no hope for this girl. Let's just get her filmed as quickly as possible and get her out. Um, I just, I have such, yeah. Um, it, it's something that's always been with me. It, and I think with any actor, any performer, you're your own worst critic. Um, oh my god! Yeah, you just—you—you've got to be almost able to take yourself out of your own body in those situations. So yeah, the the one take. Oh yeah, we've got it in one take. Is like, oh good. You know that means they must have kind of liked it enough to want to move on. Or my brain's going, no, they hated you. They just they just want to carry on, get you out the door, kind of thing. Um, I personally, I don't like too many takes. Because I'm aware, particularly like we talked about earlier, the idea that you are so tied to where you need to be, you're taking into account all the technical aspects, so you can't move away from your spot, you can't deviate from X, Y, Z. I worry that if I do too many takes, um, without almost pulling myself back from it a little bit, I just turn into a bit of a robot, and I never, ever, ever want to get like that. Mm, yeah. um, it, it's um, For me, the sweet spot would be two or three takes and we're in. Yeah, I mean, having direct, you know, being in a situation where I've ended up having to do about 22 takes. Um, Yeah, with an actor. 
I'm not yeah. going to mention any names, but they <laughs> they know who they are. Oh no! <laughs> oh gosh! Um, but uh, and not in a bad way. And you mm. know, fortunately, there wasn't an awful. You know, there was a there was nothing really on the line. But mm. it does get to a point where you're thinking, "Fucking hell!" Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Okay, let's do this. And I know, famously, like Kubrick, for example, made um, Tom Cruise walk through a door forty, fifty times. <laughs> It's just, yeah. And um, he, he's really, I mean, there's a, if, if, um, like when you speak, uh, the making of uh, Full Metal Jacket, and when some of the actors talk about working with Kubrick, and his notes mm. would be, do it better. And that would be it. Uh, yeah, I just, it's not helpful. Do you like a lot of notes or very few? Yeah, no, I love notes. Yeah, always. Because I, I feel like if someone's taking the time to give me notes, it's because they can see something in my performance. They There's a little spark there that they can see that they want to pull pull on mm. and pull out. Um, so I take it as a massive compliment if I get notes. Um, and I'm, I much prefer it. I'm much more comfortable with someone telling me, that they want to see more of X, Y, Z and less of ABC. That's great because it tells me where I can direct myself to best best do my job, essentially. Um, I get really, really nervous if I'm going, anything you want me to change, anything you want me to do, pull back on, push forward on. Um, and they go, oh, no, that's great. Yeah, just do what you're doing. Because that fills me with terror. <laughs> because, again, my brain's going, yeah, they don't think, they, yeah. They kind of, there's no hope. They've just gone, yeah, just let it get on with it. And just, and it's, it's such a negative opinion. And I'm so aware that that's such an unhealthy view. But yeah, I'm my own worst enemy, as as we all are. Um, but my, yeah. I think the most, the, my favourite note that I have ever had of anyone yeah. um, was, uh, this is going way, 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 way back. And this is um, after a dress rehearsal. Um and it was quite simple, was from the director, was learn your fucking lines. <laughs> there it is, yeah. We've all heard that now. Particularly, I, it's that, that's just like flashbacks of Amdram days. Just yeah. learn your I fucking lines. <laughs> I mean, I've had a book thrown at me on stage. Um, bless what her. Olive, um, you know, my, my stage, who's been pretty much my stage manager forever. <sighs> she threw a book at me. And that's because um, I was, I mean, I did panto for 20 plus years. Wow. Oh, um, amazing. And um, yeah, she, th- she, she threw the script to me. So on the side of the stage, and I was, because I was, and I was really playing up. I was really, really playing up on stage. And just, and just mercilessly, just be, just take, just, just, just really, t- you know, really, really just yeah. throw in those lines in there and just, Somebody made a mistake, and I just would not let them off the hook. <laughs> and all I heard was right, and that... then this 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 book from the wings just clattered me in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in front of like five hundred people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but... Packed auditorium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just, oh, just, just no. that. Yeah. Oh, and like, um, oh, there's been moments. There's been, ah, oh, there's been so many like. But yeah, I, I you know my, that, that's that's my favourite note is just learn your fucking learn your lines. Learn your fucking lines. Yeah, that, which is which stuck with me 
which because yeah. people Funnily underestimate enough, that. Yeah. <laughs> people underestimate the you know the importance of knowing your lines. Yeah. Knowing your lines, you mm. know, and uh, you know, I think, you know, sort of, there are so many, you know, I think there's, um, I think it's Robert Duval says about um, hitting your lines and saying your marks when you're on film. Mm-hmm. And that sort of understanding, but the importance of knowing those lines yeah. so that you can hit that mark, yeah. that you can, yeah. you know, and the and the intentionality. Yeah. Within yeah, yeah, the scene. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but learn your fucking lines. Great. I think that's the best advice to it. anybody. Anybody. Yeah. Just learn yeah. them. Um, so you have a really interesting project coming up, and I know we mentioned Derek. Right at the very start, the Swiss Army tool of indie horror. Um, <laughs> not that I'm calling Derek a tool. I don't know why I just came up with that. I just realised that one. <laughs> but you guys are good. Um, is it in the can or are you in the process of, of it? Uh, but dear sister Margaret. Um, yeah, right. It's, it's, it's a funny one because um, so it was written quite a few years ago now by... Um, Sophie Phillips, uh, writer director of this film, and um, we had everything cast. We had location locked down. We had our call sheets out with us. We knew exactly where we were going, what time, what scenes we were doing, what day. You know, as as prepped as you can be without turning up on set. Yeah. Um. And lockdown happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So everything just went on the back seat, and two years later. It's all starting off again, which is so, so exciting. Um, we've got pretty much, I think, all the cast on board still, which is so exciting um, because we did have a read-through in lockdown with everyone. Um, and it was just lovely to kind of, at, at that point, when everyone was so isolated, it was just lovely to be together and be sharing something we loved. Um, so, yeah, so we've got that coming up. Um, the only problem is we've lost Georgie, um, who was... Um, Georgie Smybert, who has gone off to Australia. How dare she? Wow, um, how rude. <laughs> I know. Um, but um, she, she was from Australia. Her family's all out there, so she's she has flown back. Um, but, yes, yeah, so there will be a part that I believe there'll be a casting out for at some point. Um, but, yeah, we went and had, like, a little location scout last weekend, um, which was really, really exciting. And we were literally, we were walking around and each room, each corridor we're going into, we're like, oh, that's where that scene can be. And that's where, you know, it just, everything was falling into place, which is really exciting. Um, and we've got, there was one production call tonight, actually, that I missed to come and be on here because I was like, ah, I'm here instead. Sorry, guys. Um, but I'm doing a catch up call with them um, in a few nights' time. So it's kind of, it's all go on that. Oh, and it's amazing. really exciting. Um, so, um, I'm going to be the lead on that and then kind of in an unofficial capacity I'm kind of helping with some of the production things as well just to be an extra pair of hands because like you said and like on Mike and Anna's sets it was it's kind of like it's so lovely to be doing all the different parts you know everything all the different jobs and bits and pieces and behind the scenes just being an extra pair of hands um and and just making it as as special and as high quality as it possibly can be so so we've got hopefully loads of news coming up about that in the next sort of few weeks or so, and hopefully we'll move into filming um, in the warmer, lighter months, sort of May June time, hopefully. Um, but yeah, real horrors on Twitter, not real horror. Ah, force of habit. Um, <laughs> real horrors also on Twitter. Um, no, 
Dear Sister Margaret is on Twitter, it's on Instagram, it's got its own Facebook page. Um, and there is so much coming up about that, including, like I say, casting calls and, and all of that. So it would be amazing if, you know, if you guys had a look into it and um, and gave us a little bit of support because it's just, it's going to be phenomenal. It, um, the script is stunning. It's like terrifyingly stunning. It's like, ah! um, and it just, it, it's all kind of very culty and um Again, another again kind of thing that I like the kind of slow burn suspense until um, until quite late on. So hopefully it'll be it'll be a really good watch as well. Excellent. I lo- I, lo- I am a big fan of uh, nun exploitation. So um, <laughs> as a genre, yes. so you know I'm definitely definitely added on. And of course, like I said, Derek is in there. I just noticed yeah. that uh, Danny's also in it. Danny Thompson. Danny is. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I've been on a few shoots with Danny over the last year or so, and um, we sort of said about, oh, do you think this, you know this Margaret guest the ground? And and we were messaging actually last week when I was talk- when we were looking at the location. I was like, it's it's happening, and she's like, yes. So um, yeah, it's it's got some some fab people in it, um, and and Anna and um, MJ are going to be helping backstage, stage uh, behind the camera as well. So. It's all backstage, oh. darling. It's all backstage. Darling, it is. It is what darling. can I say? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's going to be a, a real good group of people, um, hopefully making something amazing. So in terms of like, who do you consider to be your sort of you know? You, your acting role model if you had one and sort of you know why why would you why would you sort of would you want to emulate them in any way um yeah this one i i did kind of think about this one quite a lot because i'm like there's like a little bit of you and a little bit of you and a little bit of you um i mean my my first two kind of quite obvious ones uh for me personally are emma thompson and jodie comer Mm. um Emma Thompson, I mean, she's an absolute, like, greatest of all time. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She's phenomenal. She is, like, an absolute, she is a chameleon. Like, she can just morph herself. Um, And, you know, I'm aware, you know, I don't like to go too much into people's personal lives because, in my opinion, that's that's their personal life. But I know she did use um, some of her heartbreak and some of her trauma to push certain performances Mm. which is a dangerous thing to do um but i think that's partially what our art is about in a safe environment um is to push your boundaries is to yeah just create magic where sometimes in our own life there isn't and for me yeah she's just stunning for that i mean Jodie Comer, I don't even know what to say. I mean, she's a massive, like, celebrity crush of mine. Um, Just killing Eve alone without any of her other amazing work she's done. Just her accent work. I can only dream. Yeah, I mean, I think she was phenomenal in The Last Duel. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. So um, I need to watch that. It's one we had a a toss-up the other night between that and, what was it, that one... Might have been last night in Soho. I can't remember. But yeah, and it, yeah, we need to get back to that one because I've seen all of the promo for it. I've seen the trailers and she just looks phenomenal. Her performance is wonderful in it. it, it she's absolutely yeah, performing. I can imagine. It is a bum number at, you know, nearly two and a half hours, but it, it's, it, it, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Ridley Scott nerd anyway. I love Ridley Scott's work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's just incredible in it. Absolutely yeah. incredible in it. 
Yeah. And, and, and Matt Damon's mullet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what else do you need? <laughs> oh, I love it. But I must say, I think uh, if I had to pinpoint down to one person, it would have to be Anna Taylor-Joy. Mm. I am in love. I think she's stunning. I love her work in the horror world. But I also, I don't know if you've seen The Queen's Gambit. Oh, it's, fun- oh, it's fantastic. My God. Fantastic. That girl. I mean, I, I always think of her as like the glue. I always think anything I see her in, I feel like she's the glue. Yeah. She's like this just, even if she's not the lead, she's just this, for me, it's someone that I want to go back to and see more of. Like, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't, I, I can't quite pinpoint it. I mean, her eyes are amazing. I feel like she does so much storytelling through her eyes. Um, there's so much going on. And just, yeah, I know it's not a horror thing, but The Queen's Gambit just... Oh, it's a, it's a stunning was, performance. Stunning. Yeah. She was just out of this world. And I put off watching it for ages because I was like, why do I want to watch like a whole series about chess? And then what made me watch it was it was an Anna Taylor-Joy thing. And just... I fell in love again. It's just so she. I mean, I'd love to emulate her. She's just. She, see, I mean, it seems I've never met the woman. Yeah. But she seems like a really warm, you know, in interviews, a really warm, genuine person. And I mean, the just, witch is it, oh, is mind blowing. I mean, I mean, again, absolutely. Robert Eggers is and is is, is incredible, and um, Ralph Inson. Mm. Um, yeah, is, but it is just absolutely just just it's just an it incredible blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. incredible yeah. performance. I just, I, and seeing it, it was like, give me more. Give like I need to see more of this woman, and it was just, it got me hooked. It was just stunning, and I, because I I heard that when she saw it for the first time, she was like devastated with her performance. She was like, oh, I've ruined it, and it's like. And then obviously the whole world went. No, you're just phenomenal. You are just incredible. Just. And she's also what a stunning film. Um, in the new Super Mario film as well. So, that's coming up. Oh no way! Yeah, she is. I did not know that. Princess Peach. Is she? I, yeah, yeah. She's 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 Princess Peach. So. How exciting! How, oh, that'll be on the list. How do you go from like the Northman and the Witch to Princess Peach? I know. But again, that's another thing I love about her. What a, you know, like like I said about Emma Thompson, what a chameleon being able to just yeah, love the Northman as well. Yeah, which is incredible. I mean, again, yeah. it, it is it's beautiful to look at. It is beautiful yes. to look at. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's you know, Robert Eggers is probably one of my favorite favorite directors at the moment. Mm. I just I think he's, the Lighthouse is just just a different world. William Defoe and that is just mm. phenomenal. Absolutely mm. phenomenal. So mm. here we go. Mm-hmm. People love a list, don't they? So <laughs> yeah. what are the three books that you would recommend to anyone? Right. This was I mean, they're all hard because I'm trying to narrow stuff down that I love and that's really hard. Yeah. Um yeah. One of them, I'm going to say my first one, um, is going to be a book that is written by Annie Knox, who is um, an indie 
film director, actress, um, and also a writer. And in lockdown, she wrote a, it's a, it's a novella, it says it's a short story, um, but she wrote uh, this called Dimension. And if you can get your hands on a copy, do. She wrote absolutely beautifully. I couldn't put it down. Um, I messaged about it afterwards. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, it's, I mean, I don't want to ruin the story because it's so well written. Um, but essentially, it's a, it's a group of teenagers trying this new drug called Dimension. And it's the night that they have. So it's it's a horror kind of, you, you're, you're part of their hallucinations and the journey that they go on. Um, it is stunningly written. I couldn't put it down. Um, and if you are up for supporting indie authors, please, like, read it buy it find it because it was and it was all during lockdown as well so it was all during that time where it's like what do I do yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah I think if you can find a great novella Mm. and it's something that is well you know something like that is just it's quite rare because novellas are hard can be they can either be just not enough Mm. Or they could have been a short. They went on just mm. a little bit too long. And to find a really good one is 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 always worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And honestly, I, I felt like this was. I I really, really loved it. And as I was reading it, I could see the film being made. And I'm sure down the line it's something that she will look at doing. Because like I say, she's she's in the indie scene, indie horror scene anyway. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um another book and i'll be honest i've only ever seen the uh, the author's name written down <laughs> so i'm assuming i'm pronouncing this right um but shari lapina wrote uh, the couple next door um yeah. and that for me i mean i i love a bit of a psychological where is this going slow burn and kind of again i, d- I don't want to ruin this because it's quite twisty turny particularly later on I could, it was another one I couldn't put down. Um, it's the intrigue. It's um, it's the stress. You're, you're like your stomach is constantly knotted. Um, you know you have a good book. Yeah. When it, it's when it's making you. Str- I had to stop reading. Um, um, Lovely bones uh, by oh. Stephen King because it was making me. Oh. Um, it was making me stressed. Yeah, I had to, I had to put it down and come back. That to is it. that is a bloody tough read. It's yeah. absolutely fucking stunning, but it's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, yeah, I interrupted I you. So. No, you're absolutely fine. Oh, what? Yeah, what a stunning book. But yeah, no. So that's that's another one. Is it, I guess it's kind of like what you're up for because my one of my first um and this is I mean it's not made my list because it's it's more of a children's book. But I mean, I still um, adored it and have wonderful memories of reading these. Was the Shivers books as a child? Yes. Um, I'd never had them, never knew what they were, and one of my friends bought me one for like my eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, somewhere around there, you know, middle school years. And um, and I always remember this one of the books that I was reading, and I couldn't even tell you which story it was, but I was reading it, and I was in in school, you know, reading time, whatever it was, and I was so engrossed in this book. And there was a moment where you thought that one of the main characters had been killed off and you found out in this really kind of creepy way as they do. And I remember as 11-year-old me just reading that line 
and just throwing the book across the room like ah! like <laughs> it had that effect on me like that's nuts um I, I mean just as an honorary I love I love the shivers book growing up and that got me hooked on that kind of yeah it was they were great I mean obviously you've got your goosebumps as well that yeah, we, yeah. we grew up on I mean, Christopher Pike it just doesn't get any better no. it's just so good Alice Bold, not Stephen King I don't know where Stephen King came into my head well I know why Stephen King came into my head is because I have pretty much all his books in front of me so I, I, I just, <laughs> re- just like, ah. I just read what I saw yeah Alice Bold. I apologise no I will hand I my nerd card I thought is it a Stephen King and just kind of rolled with it no I will hand my nerd card in at the desk on the way out I am sorry <laughs> Just read what I saw. I just... as, as you do, it's all good. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's is how we roll. But those um, but those shivers books are wonderful. Oh, and and you know what? We, you know, I don't have um, children, but I've got nieces and nephews, and when they get to that age, I I can't wait to introduce them to it because oh, they were just they just hooked you from the word go. Yeah, I just I loved it. So. We've talked about, you know, we talked about books. We need to talk about mm. film. What's your three yes. recommendations that you would give anybody? I mean, right. First one, I'm just going to go straight in with Alien. Oh. I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Sigourney Weaver, who plays Ripley. She just takes zero shit, and I love it. I just, and and the suspense. Again, I'm a, I'm a real suspense freak. I love it. The, the, the build-up in that, that first, Alien film is just, I you know you're sitting on the end of the bed, your stomach's in knots. I love it. It, it was just stunningly done. I mean, there's a cat in it. What can you do? <laughs> I mean, that was an instant ten out of ten for me. Um, I yeah, I absolutely adore that film, and I would encourage anyone who isn't already um, interested in the horror genre to just get in with that one first because. I mean, talk about strong female lead. She's just oh, absolutely everything. She's just everything you could ever want, and I just I love her. Yeah, I, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. and I think probably my you know I think for a couple of the you know quite a few things that I've written is that I've always I've mm. come from a female lead point of view. Yeah, because it's far more interesting. It is far okay. more. I think I think it, you know for certain things it's far more interesting. Mm. Um. And I think Alien and Aliens and mm. Alien 3 as well. And, you know, I think, you know, it's just such a fantastic performance. Yeah. It's just such Surely. a nuanced performance yeah. and real. Yes. Yes. It feels I real. think that's the thing. There's, there's so much, um, I think particularly in the horror industry, because you have that kind of, very generic screaming running girl which I've, I've done my fair share of in the horror films and to see this kind of almost stoic unmoved strong woman in the center of it all yeah, yeah. oh my gosh it's just yeah beautiful. and i think that's something that actually i think one of the criticisms that gets leveled at horror a lot and i think it's a really really lazy argument is that they mm. talk about misogyny and those kind of things and mm. you know, undoubtedly, there are there are some elements in that, but I think there are, there's mm, elements of that throughout in... art, anyway. Yeah, yeah, regardless yeah. whether it's film or anything else, I think there's something there. But yeah, equally, horror has given us some of the most phenomenal 
strong yeah. female leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ellen Ripley, I think, is is one of those. And Sigourney Weaver is just phenomenal in that role. She's just brilliant. Mm. Just yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely stunning. So what's your next one? Um, a much more recent film that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed, which was Hush, um, yeah. another horror film. And it was just... Again, here I am with my suspense and my all of that. I I absolutely adored it. Um, it. It's just the most beautiful way of bringing in, again, another really strong, I, I, I kind of hate the term, but I kind of love the term, strong female lead who is problem solving so damn quick, who has the disability, she's, um, she's deaf, so she's got that against her, but I love how they switch it and they and they put it to her advantage. And in the end, that's kind of her turning point. And I I love it. I love that she is almost superhuman. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. for having that. I just I love it. I love she just reacts humanly as well. I love that. Again, talking about the whole running screaming and all of that, she goes right, I might die. I, I genuinely might die. I, I probably will. But if I'm going to die, I'm going to either take you with me or leave enough clues that they find who you are. And I just, yeah, she's she's so honest in her performance. They've done the film so well that you almost don't realise that you're looking at someone who's disabled, if that's, you know, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, looking yeah. at someone who is just a woman who is fighting for her life in an absolutely terrifying situation. And it just, I was glued to the screen. I adored it. I adored her performance. It was just absolutely stunning. It was absolutely stunning. It was just, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was beautiful. And like, it was the first time that I came across Mike Flanagan. Um, because somehow um, Oculus had completely, but I, it took me a while to come back around to, yeah. to you know. But Mike, uh, but Mike Flanagan again is is is, a, is somebody who I greatly admire, mm. and like I mean his he wasn't first on um, the Midnight Club, um, his last piece, but yeah. uh, haunted on the you know Doctor Sleep, Gerald's yeah. Game, the whole yes, yes, the whole Dune of Hill House, you know yeah. Blind Man, just fantastic. Yeah. And Midnight yeah. Mass. I thought Midnight Mass was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But yeah, no. Yeah. Really strong choices here. Really fabulous <laughs> choices. Uh, my third and final. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this, yeah, Hans Labyrinth. Um, because, because it is, obviously it is so weird and wonderful. And you're seeing it through Ophelia, the young girl's eyes. But what is so much more horrific about this particular film is it's almost like you're watching her escape from the horror that is her reality. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, it's just... The first time I saw it, whenever whenever that was, was just... I mean, it blew me away and I've watched it again since. And it is still every bit as magical and haunting and terrifying and beautiful as it was the first time, I just, I love it. And it's absolutely heartbreaking because watching it as a young person and then coming back to it as an adult and actually seeing that all of these monsters, all of these fairies and, and everything 
the her way of escaping the true horrors the the, the I, oh it just you know it was weird and wonderful watching it as a young teen and it is a stunning, kind of, stunning, stunning it, piece of uh, film. It, it is. It's just everything I everything I love about how you can create magic and make these wonderful, wonderful moments in the most horrendous kind of backstory almost. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it was never explicitly told what was going on. No. Um, but you saw snippets and you see bits and you see the odd scene here and there. And then you're back to... Um, Ophelia's world and it's just it's haunting is yeah. how I would describe it and it's it's beautiful um, so that that would be my third I mean yeah and a bit of course Doug Jones's performance in it is this creature mm-hmm. it's just it's incredible and of this Gu- world you know, yeah. and Guillermo del Toro is you know I think people talk you, yeah. they band the term around auteur around a lot um, mm-hmm. and, and, and he is a true auteur in every yeah. sense and Pan's Labyrinth is 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 beautiful and heartbreaking mm. and yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Um, but in so many real terms. Yeah. You know, not uh, just yeah. The, not just the fantastical elements. Yes. I think the most horrific yeah. element is what actually human beings are capable yeah. of okay. doing to and each of, other. Yeah. Just and I, th- I think that's why it holds such a place in my heart because it is just yeah, it's it's the worst of humankind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, yeah, it's yeah, beautifully done. So podcasts. What are your three recommendations for podcasts? Um, so um, one that actually Anna Dixon, who I, like I say, started Real Horror with, um, introduced me to is called All Killer No Filler. And it's a true crime podcast. I, all of mine are true crime. Here's a heads up. I love it. <laughs> um, and what I love about their element of it is... Um, obviously what they're talking about is not lighthearted, but they talk about it in such a way that there are moments where it, you, you're crying with laughter and then there are moments where I, they always pitch it just right. They always pitch it just right and there is never any... They, they make sure the victim's story is told. It's mm. not just about the gory, grisly X, Y, Z. They they humanise the victims. They... And and they're like it's like being in a room with two friends. It's like they're in the room with you. They just they they've got they've got it just pitched just right as as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, it, it's a great podcast. Um, and if if you haven't listened to it, it's it's worth getting into. They they just it, it's Rachel Fairburn um, and uh, Rachel Fairburn and no, I'm gonna have to Google. <laughs> How bad's that? That's awful, isn't it? My mind's just gone blank. I do it all the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Kiri, Kiri, um, Pritchard McLean. That's it. Perfect. Um, yeah. Um, who are both comedians in their own right and um work together beautifully on it. I, I just love it. I absolutely love it. Um okay. the podcast that got me into podcasts um was The Teacher's Pet. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, I haven't actually. Right. Okay. This is this is quite an interesting one. Uh, it's an Australian one, um, and it's essentially a cold case murder. I won't, won't give too much away because it's um, it's really really interesting. Um, happened in the eighties. Um, cold case. Essentially, um, a, a mother of two very young children just just disappears. 
just there is no oh, wow. Wow. no sign of where she's gone, what she's done, anything like that. Um, and friends and family believe that she was killed um, by her then husband, um, but there was never anything sort of set in stone. And this podcast, because it has gone so far into the details and has reviewed everything, actually opened the case up again. That's incredible. I love um, it when that happens. Yeah. I love it when that happens. Yeah. And and I, I don't want to spoil anything for you or for any of your listeners that decide to listen to The Teacher's Pet, but um, they, they have opened up the case again, um, and there are developments as a result of this podcast, um, which is just phenomenal. Um, the fact that this guy has been able to hopefully find justice that's I love it when that happens I really yeah. I, it's it, it's something that you just go oh my god this yeah. is fantastic yeah no yeah. I yeah. Uh, excellent I know what I'm already adding it to my list <laughs> excellent 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 um and my final one that I is my weekly go-to is case file um really well-known podcast and it is pretty much, occasionally they do um one in two parts but mostly it is a podcast to a true crime um and it's almost a little bit and this is what i kind of love about it it's a little bit no frills it just tells you the facts as it is talks you through exactly what happened when it happened and because there is once a week one a week sorry um obviously the sheer volume of of things that um of different murders disappearances all of that you're hearing about cases that would never otherwise really have gotten um a lot of attention mm. you know you've got your big cases that everyone knows of you know most recently the um the ohio case with, yeah. The, yeah. with the uni students like that obviously is a massive thing that i'm sure loads of people have jumped onto um but with case file it is just this one guy who is talking you through and it's very factual it's very no frills and personally for me i love that um because i, I that's what it's for, for le- it's for me it's a learning thing mm. i i want to learn i want to understand um and to make it too much of a well what about this let's just you know let's talk about this and the same with the teacher's pet it was looking at facts and it was uncovering more and more and more um and that's where my love for those kind of podcasts are not so much in the excitement of the unknown and let's investigate because I think that very, very easily can become exploitative, particularly mm-hmm. to the victims yeah. and their families, and, yeah. and I'm not okay with that. Um, yeah. But these where they're talking about just the facts and what we know and nothing more, um, it's it's just so interesting. And you, I have learned so much about human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, terrifying. The worst of it, it's terrifying. Um, but yeah, just... Those are my three. Those are my three go-to. Um, and particularly, I don't know if I've actually mentioned to you, sorry, this is now going off on a tangent. I, <laughs> um, I, I actually suffer with auditory processing disorder, so I wear hearing aids oh, wow. to try oh, and support wow. with that. So actually by having, like, the teacher's pet particularly and case file where it's just one person talking, I find it a lot easier to understand because I normally rely a lot on lip reading. Um, so if there's more than one person talking at a time... so Sometimes I've had it with the All Killer No Filler podcast where they're kind of talking over each other a little bit and it overlaps. For me, that just turns into noise. And I'm like, no, I didn't catch any of that. Um, so that's another reason why I like those very factual, very steady podcasts is, 
for me personally, it, it means that it's a lot easier for me to understand and process. Well, there are some, like I said, I've, I've already added uh, two of the three because I did, you know, <laughs> to yeah. uh, start listening to. So thank you so much for your recommendation. <laughs> no, They're no awesome. And awesome choices for film and books. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you very, no, thank you so much for sharing with that. Now, before we wrap things up, where can the good people find you on the socials as is medias as is is? Ah, uh, so um, I am on Instagram. I I'm on, I'm on TikTok, but I'll be honest with you: if you're a fan of like videos of my cat, then <laughs> TikTok is I, that's all I do. I just take videos of her. Her name is Hilda, and she's beautiful. Oh, what a wonderful um, name for a cat! She's a, she's a little rescue. She's a little tortoiseshell rescue. And the 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 um, rescue centre named her Hilda, and we were like, oh, maybe we'll change her name. And then we got her, and it's just like I just love it. It's like a little old lady named Hilda. Perfect. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So um, yes, I am on TikTok. I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter, and all of my handles for that is Miss Eve Catherine. Um, I'm on Facebook as Eve Oliver, but a lot of that is, I mean, I'm over it. Give give me a little friend request, but a lot of it is more personal stuff. So it'd be you know family as well as um you know, all my acting and producing endeavours. Um, and we also, as part of Real Horror, that I kind of mentioned about that we're setting up and we're, we're starting our journey there, we are real underscore horror um, on Instagram and on Twitter. And we also have a Facebook page, Real Horror, as well, that you can kind of keep up to date with all the madness and, and new projects. So that's really exciting. Eve, thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show. Um, and you have an open invitation to come on anytime. Just barge your, just kick the back door down and yes. just, just, just invite yourself, film, and oh, you know, yes. and we'll. I think we, you know, we'll we'll fi- we'll find something to do a deep dive on. And uh, that would be amazing. That would, would be amazing. So. Thank you so much for being on. It has been an absolute pleasure um, and taking the time for being here. So thank you so much for being here. Not at all. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. No worries. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to say a huge thank you to Eve for taking the time out to being on. Fantastic. And I'm sure she will be making an appearance again very, very soon on the Undead Wookiee. And I can't wait to see some of her upcoming projects. Really looking forward to seeing um, Horoscopes. Love the work that Michael puts out. MJ is going to be joining me very, very shortly um, on an episode where we are going to be discussing our top five straight-to-video horror movies of the 90s, which should be fantastic. And I'm certainly looking forward to uh, Dear Sister Margaret when that comes out, of course, directed by um, Sophie Phillips and starring, of course, our good friend Derek Nelson. So that's some really, really good stuff out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Um, I can't wait for you to see what we got coming up because we've got some really awesome guests. We've got some great movies that we're going to be discussing. Um, and it's really good to be back. And I'm eternally grateful uh, for you guys tuning in. So, that's all that's left for me to say. In the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are.